And uh, these are God's words. So let's uh, hear our God speak. A psalm for Solomon. Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness and thy poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass as showers that water the earth. In his days shall the righteous flourish in abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him and his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The king of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. They all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. For he shall deliver the needy when he crieth, the poor also, and him that hath no helper. He shall spare the poor and needy, and shall save the souls of the needy. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence, and precious shall their blood be in his sight. And he shall live, and to him shall be given of the gold of Sheba. Prayer also shall be made for him continually, and daily shall he be praised. There shall be a handful of corn in the earth upon the top of the mountains. The fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon, and they of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And blessed be His glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Uh, Father, thank You for Your Word once again. And thank You for this evening that we can gather to pray together. Uh, Father, we do pray now that You would bless the preaching of Your Word. You would grant to us ears to hear and eyes to see your son Jesus, the King, and our mediator. And uh, we pray that you would bring about the hope uh, that we should have and uh, teach us the hope that we ought to have this evening here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We read uh, Psalm 72. It's about Jesus Christ. And... um, Thinking back on the uh, last few years, uh, COVID and what's going on with the the government and various things uh, and things that are happening all around us, we are we are a fearful people, and we're often to apt to fear in, in many situations. Fears about the church, fears about society, fears about the nation, our family, our work. Uh, Shane was just praying about that. Uh, Fear of uh, current circumstances. 
You know, a couple of years ago, everybody was fearing a virus and a fear of losing your jobs, going through trials and tribulations. When God says that you will be persecuted, you will go through tribulations and trials. It's so we can have fear of the future when that will happen and pains, uh, spiritual and physical, as we get older, and even the fear of the unknown. And you see throughout our, our nation, the, the government, whether it's the states, federal, local, uh, they're taking steps to be more and more in control. Uh, whereas a nation, uh, people were more and more free, and that's uh, free in, in some sense. And, and so they're taking, it seems like, more power, more uh, exerting more authority uh, that has ever been known in our nation. And so there's, uh, even this year, uh, maybe we haven't started thinking about it. Uh, I don't even vote, but there's an election coming, and so there could be a fear of uh, who's going to be elected at all levels. And what's going to happen because that person, these people are elected. Um, this psalm is given by our Lord to vanquish all those earthly, worldly fears that we have. And this psalm is about, again, as we already said, that it's about Christ who reigns on the throne forever. He reigns right now on the throne. He's seated on the throne sovereignly, as we've heard many times, reigning, ruling over all the church and over all things, over all creation. The question we need, we, we talk about that a lot or hear about that a lot, but do you really believe that? So when we think about our fears, then you need to ask the question, when we have those fears, do you really believe that Jesus Christ is King and He's ruling sovereignly over all things? And that's what this psalm is about. And there's, we could say there's no more, for the Christian, no more important truth to remember except... Uh, you know, as this is an application of the gospel or part of the gospel, uh, as which we should, that is, of course, the most important truth to remember the gospel. And this is part of that gospel. And we need to hold on to it and live by this truth that Christ reigns over all. He reigns, we read in Daniel, he reigns over all rule and over all dominions and over all kingdoms, uh, even Nebuchadnezzar. And Babylon, and all those foreigners who had come, and they were supposed to bow down to this this image. He reigns over all of them. The first thing we look at this evening is, in this passage, is the grace of Christ's kingdom. The grace of Christ's kingdom. You see, in the uh, we've heard about two different kingdoms before when we've been in Matthew's gospel: the kingdom of power and the kingdom of power, which. Uh, 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 in the kingdom of which Christ has been given all authority by the Lord, in which, in fulfillment of this psalm, He said in, in Matthew 28, all power is given unto Me in heaven and earth. All power over all things. He's been given all authority, all dominion, like verse 1 in our passage, all judgments, all righteousness. Verse 2, Christ shall judge the peoples with righteousness in and by the authority given to Him by the Lord. And uh, we can think of John 5, verse 30. It says, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Our Redeemer 
And our Lord reigns over all. And in the kingdom, that's the kingdom of power. In the kingdom of grace, beloved, in which He rules over the church, He's the head of the church, Christ by the Spirit works in the hearts of sinners. And He brings them, those sinners, as we read in this psalm, He brings them into a blessed submission unto Himself through the Gospel, in which you all are called to come. Even the children are called to come unto Him for your salvation. Uh, to come to Him to your righteousness. To trust in Him for your life. To bow the knee. Uh, to bow the knee in all things as to your King. As, uh, as being loyal subjects, citizens to Him. He's, he calls unto you. He says, come unto Me. He's pleading with you this evening. Children, you are to listen to you as well. You too are to come unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, for your salvation. For salvation, for righteousness is found where? In Christ alone, who reigns over all. Turn from your sins unto King Jesus. The kingdom of grace entails all of that work of the Spirit in your heart, in your life, to bring you into submission to Christ, the King, in effectual calling, in regeneration, in faith and repentance, in justification, in adoption, in sanctification. So when a sinner is called by the grace of God to come unto Jesus and serve Him forever as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Him, Romans 12, in righteousness, Christ, in doing that, is ruling as King. He is that light and in Him there is no darkness. Here is Jesus before you, the King of righteousness. We sang in Psalm 110, Melchizedek, the forever priest king. But look at verse 3. As the King of righteousness to His people, He bestows righteousness and peace in justification. It says, The mountains shall bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. Christ reigns as King over all. He he makes the mountains, the little hills, to be the soil that brings forth fruit. Righteousness. That's justification. Through His perfect life, His final sacrifice on the cross, imputing unto you who believe His own righteousness, that is crediting to you His own righteousness, that you're then justified in that by faith in Christ. In Romans 5 it says, Therefore... Uh, having been uh, or being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace. He brings that peace. Christ bestows righteousness upon His people, and the resulting blessing is peace. Peace in the heart, peace in the mind. So when we think about fear, He's the one. And coming to Christ, He brings peace. You want peace in these days? Uh, which we're often fearing, then look to Christ. Don't look to the world. Don't look to uh, our rulers, the government, and which we're told not to in Psalm 146, to not trust in princes, but look to Christ, the, the Prince of Peace. You see, such are the blessings, the graces of being part of the kingdom of grace. And no matter what circumstances, what's happening in the, in the nation, there's nothing actually to fear. Because Christ is on the throne. 
So being part of the kingdom of grace is graces under the mediatorial or priestly kingship of Jesus Christ. He brings you the graces of peace and righteousness. And don't you want that peace? Instead of having a fear, uh, we heard in uh, last Lord's day, this last Lord's Day, uh, having the fear of death, uh, being under Satan and the dominion of Satan, having the fear of death. Well, if you don't want to have fear of death or you don't want to have a fear in uh, what's happening in the church or in society, then we're to turn to Christ who can grant peace. There are blessings in coming to Christ, but there are also blessings in continuing in Christ. Grace in continuing in Christ. Verse 6, He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass, as showers that water the earth. In His days shall the righteous flourish, in abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. You know, in the summer when you're cutting the grass, or when the grass is cut, and then the rain comes, what happens? The grass grows. It thrives, right? So the blessings of Christ come upon the peoples of God. The righteousness in Christ, uh, the, the righteous in Christ are fruitful. You grow in Christ. You flourish because of His graces that come upon those who trust in Him. And how much of this is due, uh, of course, then to Christ the King. He's sitting and reigning and ruling over all things. Not only over all things, but even especially the church in which He is head over. And so because He is Christ the King, He shall come down, and and Christ comes down through His Word and by His Spirit, and He sanctifies you and He blesses you who love Him and continue to love Him. So that's the grace of Christ's kingdom. The second point uh, this evening, the hope of Christ's kingdom The hope of Christ's kingdom. And what we have in the remaining verses in this psalm has been lost so much in the churches. And that's why we have so many different views of the end times or last things or eschatology. That's why we don't pray with confidence as much. That's why we have lost hope. Because we've forgotten what this chapter, this psalm says and and what's taught in the rest of the scriptures about these things, about Christ being the mediatorial king over all. And because we don't know or not as familiar, we forget these things, we lose hope. But here we have promised to us comfort and hope for our lives today, not just uh, in the time in the past, but when the psalm was written, but Today, verse 8, it says, He shall have dominion also from sea to sea, and from the river unto the ends of the earth. And so Christ, as our mediatorial king, shall have dominion from sea to sea, from the rivers to the end of the earth. How big is Christ's kingdom, friends? What area does Messiah the Prince, which Daniel uses that phrase, what, what area... Does Messiah the Prince reign over all of creation? Not just the earth, but the whole universe. All of creation. We heard, again, last Lord's Day, even Satan and the fallen angels and all the angels in heaven and everything. Remember Ephesians 1, 
which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him as his own, at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head, the head over all things to the church. So Christ is our Redeemer. The God-man, having risen from the dead, He's on the throne, and His dominion is not merely over the things of the earth, but all things have been put under His feet as our Mediator King. When it talks about principality and power, that's the language of angels, spirits, even Satan and his followers. 1 Corinthians 15, it says, shows, or it shows that everything, with one exception, is under His feet, the Father. And so all means all here. The government of all nations, the governments of all nations and our nations, our nation, all the wicked, all demons, the devil, they're all under Christ's dominion. The people we go out there, we saw, my family saw deer tonight, he's over them. Uh, the houses, the snow, the weather, right? Christ is over all these things. All things are under his feet. All power, dominion, rule, and authority is his. And so that we can hold on to the promise, beloved, that all things will work for our good. In heaven and on earth, right? Romans 8, Ezekiel, right? Verse you're memorizing, Romans 8, 28. How can we have such a promise as this? It says, For I am persuaded, in Romans 8 as well, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, how can you ever hold on to that promise? How do we know, like Paul, with full assurance that our God is faithful to that promise and nothing will separate us from His love? Not losing a job, not a plague, a virus, or pestilence, not riots, not the government, not anything that could happen in the future. How do we hold on to that promise? Only because Christ reigns over all, that that promise holds any uh, weight, right? It's solid because He's the King. And He reigns over all. He has dominion over all. And what do we then promise? Verse 9. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before Him. And His enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before Him. All nations shall serve that is worship, that's the word for worship, shall serve Him. We know from Psalm 2, it says, Be wise now therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry, and ye perish from the way, when His wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. How can he say that? Because Christ has been given all authority and dominion and rule over all. And that means he is the mediatorial king, the priest king over all. Not merely all people, but all principalities and powers and 
the spiritual realm, the physical realm, but also, as uh, verse 9 is speaking about and, and following, the all nations. All nations must come and bow the knee in submission to Christ, and they will, it says in this psalm. They will bow down and worship Him, serve Him. They will, because the psalm, God's Word, says so. And those, in Psalm 2, those, those, are, those rulers and the kings on the earth, the princes, they are commanded to do so, these things, by our Lord. And our call upon all nations and rulers and governing leaders as well, when we go and we see them, when we interact with them, should be what? Kiss the Son. Christ, the King. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry, and ye perish in the way. When His wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. Even you, President. Even you, Governor, the police, military, judges, the mayors. Kiss the Son. And if you do, you bow down, you serve Him, you'll be blessed. But if you don't, then He'll be angry and you'll perish forever. That's what happens when they don't kiss the Son. When they don't bow and they don't worship Him. That is, if they don't come in faith to Christ and worship Him. His wrath is kindled. He's angry. His judgment will come. The Scriptures say, hell comes for them. But what blessing for kings and rulers to turn to Christ from their sins. That's why we pray for all kinds of people to be saved. 1 Timothy 2. Even kings and rulers. To turn to Christ from their sins. Verse 9 and following, what are we promised? And all of you who have ears, even the children, all of you who have ears to hear, put that with what you see with your eyes in God's Word. Because today the question is, will you have faith and believe what it says, what God says here? Will you believe the promises? Will you put your hope in Christ the King? Or is your hope dashed to pieces because you believe only what you see, not when you look at God's Word, but when you look out there in the world? What you see in the world seems to be in line with the world getting worse and worse and worse. Well, that's a particular eschatology, isn't it? There are eschatology, eschatological or end times views that say things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse, and then Christ will return. But that's not what God's Word says. Completely, right? Things, of course, will be worse. There's wars, rumors of wars. Sure. There's also other things, great things, wonderful things, also promised before Christ returns. Our God in Christ, as we look at these promises here in Psalm 72, He reigns over all these promises. These promises of something completely other than worse after, um, and worse and worse and worse. Pagan kings will come unto Christ, verse 10, and they will bring presents to Christ. They will offer Him praises, gifts. 
That all kings, all kings shall fall down before Christ, the mediatorial king, and all nations, it says, shall serve Him, shall worship Him. Right now, do you believe that? Even though you might see something completely contradictory if we just look out into the world. It doesn't seem like that's possible. How could America or how could any other nation, North Korea or or whatnot, bow down to Christ and serve Him? We believe that we're, we're feared, or we're filled with the fear of man. We're filled with fear of government and society, and a great persecution upon the people of God. Perhaps has come. Maybe you think that, but more so, we know with all of our hearts, our nation is going to be judged, or is being judged, right, right now. We also know that judgment comes to the house of God first, and if judgment is coming upon the nation now, we can see there is judgment in the church now. So when you look around at the church and what you see are so many fears of men. Fears of man. And the church has one duty, one task. To make Christ known to the ends of the earth through the preaching of the gospel. That's the main thing we're commissioned and the Great Commission to do. And yet the church fears, cares more about looking like the society than making Christ known. In the last few years, the church fearing, again, the government more than fearing Christ, who is the King, and following Christ, and that one duty of making the Great Commission, right, making Christ known. They'd rather stay in their homes or worship online, which is not true worship. But God's people, your hope lies not in what we see, Not in what you see, but in the promises of our God in Christ. Even more in these days should the gospel be proclaimed. People are lonely and fearing, unsure, anxious. And in such times, preachers must preach in the presence of people. Because preaching, again, is not done online. It's it's done before hearers. What will conquer the natural man? The Jesus Christ. It's the weakness and foolishness of preaching that 1 Corinthians teaches us. Preaching of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit that we prayed about this evening already that will conquer the natural man. That's what conquers the natural man, the sinful man. And that means still today and at all times the church's primary duty is to preach the gospel unto salvation, sanctification, and to the glory of God. One of the last things the Lord through Paul said Right, The last thing he wrote was 2 Timothy. One of the last things there in chapter 4, 2 Timothy, he said, preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. The peoples and the church have lost their hope because they've lost the Gospel. And so we're to proclaim the gospel. We're to tell it. We're to teach it. Testify what we know. The peoples are alone. They're anxious. They're fearing, just like we often fear. And they have turned to that to uh, to turning, as we heard this last uh, uh, Lord's Day uh, morning, the turning to feasting and entertainments to, to escape the reality that death is coming. 
And they need to be pointed to Christ who sits on the throne over all things. Of whom even all nations shall, we read here, shall serve Him, verse 11. All nations, all rulers will be made to come and kiss the Son. Micah 4, verse 1, it says, and notice how similar it is to our passage about the mountains. But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and the people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. And He'll teach us of His ways, and we will walk in His paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and He shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. Thus saith the Lord. Do you believe Him? Is He not faithful? All nations shall serve Christ, our Redeemer and Lord. And through it, the fullness of the Gentiles will come in Romans 11, and all the fullness of the Jews, and they'll come to worship Him, and the Gospel will be proclaimed, and many will believe. So much so that nations will turn to Him. A great duty of the church and your pastor is to see that the gospel of Jesus Christ is dominion, His authority over all is proclaimed, calling all sinners and all rulers and all kings, all peoples to submit themselves to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the ruler of rulers, and the God of gods, the Prince of princes. You see, beloved, the truth and the gospel and salvation will advance. Here we are in this time, and we are... We see less and less of the kingdom advancing. So many people leaving the church. And that's been happening for decades now, even before I was a Christian. Turning to idolatries and pleasures of the world, like many children and grandchildren of this congregation. Churches in the last few years, they've closed their doors, they've taken away the only message of hope and promise that's found alone in Jesus Christ. But the reality is, because God says so, that Christ's kingdom is advancing and will advance to the ends of the earth so that all nations will at some point serve Him. The time will come when they will do this. Verse 11, will come about. We all know it hasn't yet. It is coming. And if this is the Lord's promise, then this is what ought to fill our hopes and our prayers, not only in the resurrection of our bodies. We should be praying for these things too. We're not to be so focused on our individual selves, but even for all the elect to come in. And if this is the Lord's promise, then this is what ought to fill uh, those hopes we have. As he says through verse 16, our prayers should reflect faith in the promises. And so to our lives. Therefore, we are to cease. You are to cease from your fear of what you see 
and rather bow and fear the Lord in Christ who has been given all power and authority, who sits enthroned as the sovereign king because there is coming a time when all will bow before Him. So children, even if you have not bowed before Him, you are to bow before Him because all will bow. And so you better get on in line and bow now before judgment comes. What will you believe and give your life for? Will it be the world, the flesh, and the devil? Will you give over to your? Will you give up and give up or give over to your temptations and cower and and fear of what you see and what you hear in the world, letting anxiety fill you of your present circumstances? Hebrews 11 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you're called to come out from your cowering in fear and your hiding, from trusting merely in what you see and believe in the power and the glory of Jesus Christ who reigns over all. And to praise Him. He calls you to believe what He says. Our King has promised all that He has promised will come to pass. Do you believe Him? The God of all truth, the Savior who died for you. Do you believe Him? As verse 17 says, His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in Him. All nations shall call Him blessed. And so if you are to have any hope, it is alone the hope found in Christ's kingdom. And if the promises here are true, and they are, for all the promises of God are in Him, are yea, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us, the Scriptures say, His promises are true, He's faithful, therefore our lives now are to be lived unto the glory of God in Christ. That's the last point very shortly. The glory of Christ's kingdom. The glory of Christ's kingdom. You see verse 18, it says, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And blessed be His glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. Our minds, our hearts, our wills, our affections, our thoughts, our words, everything, uh, submit everything to Christ's rule over your lives. For Christ's crown and covenant. Right, That's the motto of our denomination. All allegiance should be given to Christ alone, whose kingdom will never end from sea to sea. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a promise. We often treat Philippians where it says that as what you should do. And of course you should do it, but that's the promise of what is going to happen. To all generations, both now and forever, bow before Christ and serve Him who is exalted over all. And as He promises, as our King, to supply us with every grace necessary, the grace of provision, the grace of protection, the grace of sanctification, the grace of preservation unto glory. And so come and bow and give Him all the praise.
pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we're thankful for Christ our King, Messiah the Prince. Thankful that He has dominion over all and He rules over all. And we pray that You would turn us from all worldly, sinful fear and give us that godly fear of standing in awe of the great King, Jesus Christ, and reverencing Him, submitting unto Him in everything in our lives. Pray the church would do the same. And you would call your church to yourself, your bride, and sanctify her with the Word. Father, pray for our congregation that you would sanctify us, cleanse us of our sins. I hope, we hope tonight that while there might not be so many people here, we pray it is not for sinful reasons or a lack of wanting to pray together. And if that is true, Father, we pray that you would set your people on fire to pray and to seek your face. To burn with zeal for the good news of the gospel and that Christ reigns and that all nations will come unto Him. We are your servants to serve you in proclaiming the glorious majesties of the gospel, to telling people about your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, bring that about and Bring about the promises you've shown to us in this text this evening. Make us to be like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, to stand firm when we're called to worship idols or to turn from worshiping you in the second commandment, as we have often been told by various people to do, even the government at times. Father, we pray that we would remain steadfast, knowing that you will rescue us. And if not in this life or in our bodies, we certainly still will not bow to any false image, but worship you alone. Because you deserve all our worship, because you're the king. And no matter what earthly king or ruler says, you are and authority and sovereign over them. For they might be able to kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul or judge the soul. And so, Father, we ask that you would cause us to be faithful and stand steadfast in the faith. And you would bring all the Gentiles and the Jews in, all your elect, at the perfect time. Father, we also pray and ask for your help Uh, For Julie and Mark and Phil, that you would heal them of their sickness. And uh, Julie is with baby as well. We pray that you would bring that baby about in uh, about a little over a month now. We pray that the baby would be healthy. You bring Julie through as well. And uh, make your people to bless or glorify you. And uh, while we look forward to the many sacraments of baptism, we get to look back on our own baptisms and consider them and the vows taken on our behalf or uh, that we did ourselves. 
And we pray that we would be faithful to keep our vows and pay them. Father, we we ask this evening that you would provide for your people. We uh, have a meeting soon. Father, provide above and beyond what we even think could be provided this year. That we would be able to continue worshiping you as a as a group of people that you've called to be a part of this congregation. We're thankful thus far that you have made us to be um, fairly united in many things, most things. Pray that you would keep that unity and keep the peace we have, and you would grow us in the truth that we would have greater unity. I'm looking forward to when there we'll have that perfect unity, not only with you, but with one another in perfect communion with Christ your Son together. I pray for our nation that you would turn this nation to you. You would call the nation, the rulers of this nation, to covenant with Christ your Son, to bow the knee, to serve Him. That the rulers, the leaders would lead the people as well to go into the churches and to hear the gospel proclaimed. That they would, the citizens would then worship you and give glory to your name forever. And these things we put our hope knowing you'll bring it about at the perfect time. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.